This month is about people who are vegan, born and bred. It's like some people go to church every Sunday, you know, we were vegan. I never really thought anything about it. You know, simple things like kids wouldn't know what a sausage actually was, and I obviously would. We're asking grown-ups to tell us about having a vegan childhood in a non-vegan world. I'm Ian McDonald. I've talked to people from a real mix of backgrounds, from environmentalists to a religious community. From America to the Middle East, people who stayed vegan and people who strayed. I love the fact that they raised me vegan. I'm Diana Fleischman. I've met three generations of vegans. Angie, who brought up Andrew, who's bringing up his two kids on... Well, why don't you say it, Florence? The... Vegan Ocean. We only have time to share the stories of three vegan childhoods. If you're looking for nutrition information, there are links at theveganoption.org, including to a show by Colin Patrick Goodrow, but that's not our topic this month. We're finding out what it's really like to grow up vegan. My name's Harold Bland, and this is my wife Jenny and our baby daughter Rosemary, who is 10 months old. We've been vegan now for 10 years. And, of course, the baby is a life vegan. That 1976 BBC community programme called Open Door was the first most Brits had heard of veganism. While the hairstyles and outfits are a bit dated, vegan advocates could really learn something from the way it portrayed the lives of ordinary vegans, some who went vegan as far back as 1943. But what did that little baby Rosemary think? I gave her a call. I guess my earliest memory of it eating different stuff would be at school actually um i was the only one who took impact lunches because i don't know if it, it seemed they hadn't been invented in those days i'm not sure but anyway all the other children had school dinners and uh, i'd bring in a little bag full of stuff and in fact the bag i think drew more attention than what was inside it because it was um a turned inside out frozen pea packet i was taken to school on the back of a tandem it wasn't just a dietary thing it was a you know a much broader environmental approach and again the reason i remember that was for a line of children standing in the playground and pointing and laughing <laughs> recycling every little thing i thought ian was a fanatical recycler we really have to try reusing the frozen veg bags harold bland you're giving him ideas stop it i asked rosemary what her parents told her about why her family was vegan don't know that they did, you know. Um, I remember having literature around the place, um, things like keep death off the dinner plate and slogans like that. Um, In that sense, it wasn't a, a value with which they tried to bring you up. No, well, I think that um, the value that we had instilled in us very strongly was uh, the most careful use of resources you could possibly imagine. Um, so when it came to, say, um, birthday parties for the kids? Um, oh, I remember trying ham sandwiches. I don't think my parents tried to influence what I did when I was out the house. I think they thought, well, you know, I'll have to make my own choices. Um, and I did. I tried everything there was, you know, around. And I think I remember uh, in uh, class two, it was, doing a picture of my favourite food and drawing big lumps of bacon. I think they were a bit horrified. <laughs> to see that but um yeah i mean you know it's a tiny percentage of what you actually eat is you know what you have at a party and i think that they didn't concern themselves with that too much um 
I don't know. My brother didn't actually. He didn't uh, experiment. He was much more sort of, oh, no, I don't eat that and would leave it alone. But I wanted to know what everything tasted like. Drawing pictures of bacon and proclaiming it her favourite food, Rosemary was way out in front of the hipster movement. Well, as she grew up, she also sometimes revelled in the family lifestyle. Oh, yes, yeah. There were, yeah, I think I sort of um, had phases of wanting to just do what everyone else was doing and fit in and hide a little bit. To, I'm different, don't you know? And, you know, I think I kind of wavered between the two, really. When I was a teenager, I was kind of um, starting to notice the benefits of having sort of uh, been able to be different, really, and the, the freedom of having been laughed at and think, oh, well, actually, you know, if that's the worst that could happen, I, I'm not going to stress myself out about what will people think. So how have your values developed as an adult? Kind of I've stayed the same. I've stayed sort of uh, true to those, that kind of upbringing where, you know, everything is valued as a resource, resource and respected as such, you know. Um, values in terms of veganism, probably... Um, I don't, haven't really thought about it that much um, on its own. I, I mainly kind of consider it as part of the wider picture, again, in terms of its impact, you know, meat production and all that. They're not eating meat, or they're not eating too much meat, actually, because we do occasionally uh, have a little bit in the household, uh, mainly from my husband uh, and his influence, I would say. But, um, yeah, they're not eating meat. It's just a bigger part of um, the global picture, really. Rosemary was raised in a household with an environmental vegan foundation and now eats meat. But how about someone raised vegan for religious reasons? Ellie Shamazand told us about her at Vegan Option on Twitter. Ellie Shama grew up as a Hebrew Israelite. Beginning in a community of African Americans in Chicago in the 1960s, they consider themselves descended from ancient Hebrews, and in 1969, moved to found a community in Israel. And that's where Elish Shama was born, in Dimona, in Israel's southern desert. So, they follow all the Jewish religious texts, but do not follow the Talmud. Because Adam and Eve ate a plant-based diet before the fall, the Hebrew Israelites emulate this by eating vegan. The whole reason for being vegan vegan is they believe in ever, uh, everlasting life, right? And the only way to live forever is to take care of yourself, which in the Bible, it tells you exactly how to take care of yourself. And it tells you, hey, I, I've given you like every fruit, fruit bearing seed. So that was the original diet of the human being. That goes along with everything else as far as what you believe in and as far as exercising and You know, it's not just the diet, but the diet is a big contribution to it. It's like being part of one big family. Everybody knows everybody. It's like being in a small town. We weren't as accepting as the rest of the world, meaning like (laughs) if you ate meat, then we thought, you know, there was a problem that you're, hey, you're killing animals and stuff. And we spoke openly. You know how kids are like, oh, you're not right. You just killed an animal. (laughs) Elishama grew up in a family of 11 children in this close-knit community. I would love to do a show about the Hebrew Israelites because they're really interesting. And she started to rebel as a teenager. Uh, I didn't go to the Hebrew Israelite community for comment on what she says because this show is, is about her experiences of growing up vegan. I mean, I loved the community until I was like 15, 16. That's when I had my rebellions, but throughout my whole childhood, I loved it. 
when I was younger, I wanted to be um, a lawyer. And they're like, oh, we don't have lawyers in the community. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so just because I love God, I mean, just because I'm religious and stuff does not mean that God doesn't want me to live comfortable and live happy. I felt like that the community was a man's world and there's no room for a woman to be as great as she really can. I felt like that a lot of people live in fear and that's no way to live life. You can never live life to the fullest if you live in fear. If you live thinking that the world is gonna end and oh, everybody who are uh, rebelling against God are one day gonna die. You know what I mean? I felt like that I had to find God for myself. And so that's when I started trying different things. Oh, hey, I wanna eat pizza, fine, I'll eat pizza. I'm doing what I wanna do. I wanna dress like this, fine, I'll do that. Oh, you can't tell me who to believe in. I need to find out myself. And so yes, all of it was, at the time, it was all together. And um, it was mostly kind of like out of rebellion and also because some of the other kids were doing it, but mostly because of pizza. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but yes, like, you know, all the commercials of pizza and pizza looks so good and stuff. But the first time I had pizza, it wasn't all of that great. I had to get used to pizza. <laughs> yes, it's true. Pizza does look a lot better in the commercials than it than it tastes in real life. But I've got to say, Diana's is pretty good. Now, things didn't go so well. Elishama went from this tight community to being homeless in the United States. My mom and my dad um, split up, and my mom took all the kids, and I was the only one who stayed behind. And then uh, eventually, I left too, because. It was real hard without my brothers and sisters. Uh, I came to America at 19, a year later. You come to America and because we lived in a bubble, you know, you come to America and you're like, you're like the prey. <laughs> um, so when I came to America, I came with three of my sisters. We went to Boston first, we were supposed to work. That didn't work out. They sent us to our uncles here in, Se in Seattle, Washington, and we got kicked out. To make a long story short, we struggled. And um, we did some things that we would like we would never do. But when you're starving, <laughs> you'd be surprised what you do. You know, we didn't know how to eat vegetarian in America, you know, and then being on the streets and being with people, you know, who wasn't vegetarian, they didn't know where to take us. They'll buy them a sandwich and they'll take, you know, if they were full, they'll take the meat out and they'll give us the sandwich. Where on the regular, if meat touched anything, we would never eat it. It was some rough times, but we tried. I, I'm just really impressed by that story. When times got bad, even when she's homeless, she wouldn't eat meat. And to eat something that meat has touched when you grow up sort of with a kosher mentality, I find that, you know, really incredible. I asked her why she stuck with vegetarianism when she was losing her faith. Like I said, when I see a piece of meat, I think about that chicken that used to run around or that <laughs> or that um, that cow that used to eat the grass. It's hard for me to see that as food. But the second thing was I felt like I had a standard to keep. I had to succeed. It was still part of my rebellion, actually. That's weird to say, but it was for me. I don't know about for my sisters. You know, it's probably my own insecurities, but this is how I felt in my heart. I felt like that people in the community were expecting me to fail. 
to them, America is like modern day Babylon and anybody, all my friends who I knew who ever left or anybody who ever left the community was always spoken of really badly. When people left the community too, and they like, let's say they came back to visit, they were all like, they were completely different. Their head was all like they were stuck up, act like they didn't know they didn't know anybody, and America had changed them, <laughs> and um, I didn't want to be changed. Elishama has a professional job in the USA. Currently, she's vegan at home, but vegetarian when she eats in restaurants. It sounds like she has a lot of strong feelings about her community and how she was brought up, like a lot of people who leave religious communities. How does she feel now? I believe more in the universe and in good energy than I do in the Bible. Now, I love the community. I mean, like I said, there are always things that I'm not going to agree on. But I have amazing family there, and I have amazing friends. And that's something that you can't trade. I went to New Haven on England's south coast to meet Andrew and his family, including two-year-old Florence from the start of the show. So my name's Andrew. I was born vegan, so I've been vegan for uh, 31 years. It's, it's helped me in a number of ways. I think in terms of an investigative point of view, I'm interested in how I live and, 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 and the choices I make. Um, it's helped me from um, a proactive point of view in the sense that I know I have to be better than my, than my peers and my contemporaries. So politically, I'm quite conservative. Um, I suppose I'm quite determined from a money perspective. How did you feel being vegan in terms of socially, like around other children? I probably wouldn't have used the word then, but looking back, probably empowered in some sense that I had a better understanding of what was going on and how things worked. You know, simple things like kids wouldn't know what a sausage actually was, and I obviously would. And so I sort of think, well, I'm quite clearly a bit better than you because I know more stuff. You know, so I've probably felt cocky. I don't think I felt isolated in terms of the, the ethical side of things because I believed in it. You know, r- rightly or wrongly, I, I believed it was the right thing to be doing. Therefore, there was a, not not in a God sense, but a higher power that said, this is this is what you do, and that's the way it is. So kids so didn't no... tease you or anything like that? Uh, yeah, but I was better than them. Um, the, I mean, you know, there's an element of going, well, I know that this is the right thing to do. So whether you understand it or not, you're obviously deficient in some way that you don't get it. Um, I suppose in, in more teenage years, um, the, the most sort of easy philosophical argument, if it is philosophical, is that some kids say, well, you haven't got as much protein, you're not physically as capable and things like that. And I remember one kid, I, I just sort of laid him out on the ground, you know, sort of thumped him and went, well if meat's giving you all this extra stuff, you get up and hit me back and it didn't happen. So you sort of go, well, all right, let's, you know, let's take the argument to its logical conclusion. Let's have a fight. And, and I won. So, you know, so, so there's always an element of that. Um, um, what was the best thing about growing up vegan? It, it probably does make you, because as, as I've just mentioned, you, you feel that you should be better. It probably does make you more determined. So you can't let yourself down. You have to be good, better at average than the other people of, you know, in, in your peer group. When you were a child, say, you know, Thomas's age or older, can you remember how you first understood what being vegan meant? There was um, a point where I 
know that my friends down the road's parents complained to my parents that I'd been telling him what a sausage really was. And I remember thinking how stupid it was that their parents didn't want their child to be, be empowered, say that word again, with that knowledge. How uh, did you rebel, if you rebelled at all? I suppose I, I never rebelled, but I did. I'd buy, um, you know, I'd sort of buy the odd Mars bar, things like that, because there's there's also an element of, I suppose earlier on mentioned other other kids and how you felt of them saying, oh, you're missing out, you're missing out. So there was a sense actually of verifying that. So I go, well, I'll buy a Mars bar. Yeah, it tastes great. Actually, I can live without that taste, though, you know, in, in the same way that, that other things you can, your life can go on without. So that's, rebel is possibly too strong a word, but that's the way I, I, I sort of challenge it or verify that being vegan was worth doing, that you weren't abstaining from so many things, your life would be so much harder. So was it curiosity, do you think? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Did you yeah. ever try meat out of curiosity? No, never tried meat. Okay. Um, I don't know why. Because ethically, there's there's pretty much no difference to, in my mind, from having, say, a dairy-based item because the effect is still that cows will die as eating the cow directly. So I probably don't see a lot of difference ethically from being vegetarian or eating meat. So why did I only do things that were sort of vaguely vegetarian? I'm not sure, really. Yeah. I suppose it's cost. Mars bars are 50p, you know. <laughs> Andrew's mother, Angie, has four sons, and she joined in to chat about their food growing up. By the way, chips are English for French fries. Well, I remember they used to tell me they only had chips at school, and I used to tell them to take packed lunches. They may have done, they may not. No, when they got no to... I, I lived on chips oh. as a kid. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I've been to the gym three times this week. I did a 10K run on Wednesday. I'm fine. When they got yeah. to about 12, I would have told them they had to do their own lunchboxes anyway. I didn't believe in bringing my sons up to be uh, reliant on women, uh, and I certainly wasn't going to fuss over five men, which is what I had in the house. Okay, and all, 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 except for your son with Down syndrome, all of your sons are vegan. I think it's because when they were, you know, able to understand, I made it very clear that I don't think I called it meat eating. I used to probably call it eating animals. Um, so I made it clear that if there were sheep playing in the gambling, you know, the, the young ones gambling in the fields, that a few days later somebody would kill them and their friends would be eating them. So I think, although perhaps my son can't remember that, I used to say that kind of thing. What a shame somebody's going to be eating that sheep tomorrow. The difficulty, I think, was worrying if the kids would feel uh, they were different in school and perhaps they were being picked on or, you know, by other children. That always worried me, but I, um, from a very early age, I used to try to instill in them that they were kind people and that's why we didn't eat animals, because they were kind. Uh, which meant, of course, we had to tell them that other people weren't kind. Uh, but that's just the way you have to be. I think if you're too um, sort of neutral about it, if you don't condemn meat-eating, then it's not clear to the kids what they're doing. As my son has mentioned already, there was a neighbour who complained to me because her child didn't know that sausages contained pig. Um, and she told me she didn't want him to know that. And I said, well, there's no way I was going to make my child into a liar. My child was telling the truth. If she didn't like it, that was her problem. It sounds like Angie was constantly making a lesson out of how the rest of the world treated animals. I spoke to other people brought up as ethical vegans whose stories we don't have time to include. Two of them, Mare from England and Daniel from America, ate meat before returning to veganism. 
This is what they said about it and how their mothers instilled compassion. I was out with some friends, had a bite of a burger, and I liked it. So from that point, for most of my teenage years, I actually wasn't even vegetarian. Well, actually, my mom feels like she didn't educate me enough on the re- on the why we are vegan. It was just kind of, you know, that was how we were. You know, Just like some people go to church every Sunday, you know, we were vegan. I never really thought anything about it. Um, she said that it was just cruel to eat animals because they were being killed. And we had quite a lot of pets. And she said it would be like eating one of the cats or dogs. I sort of, I did understand that, but I just, until I was eight and I tried to be omnivorous, I didn't make the connection between the packaged meat and the animals being killed. When I started to eat meat, I probably did it for about six months. It was um, actually an episode of The Simpsons that changed my mind again. It was that one with Paul McCartney and um, Lisa Simpson. God bless America. The cause of and solution to... All of life's problems. Homer says it's beer, not America. If you want to hear Daniel and Mare's stories, please let us know. Maybe we'll do another episode just about them. So with Ellie Shammer and her ten siblings and all the other people we've talked to and about, we, we, we've covered uh, the best part of 20 vegan childhoods. So even though we have a pretty small sample, there's some things that we can extrapolate. For example, with Ellie Shammer's story, it seemed that... She rejected some aspects of her culture, for example, what she thought as patriarchal aspects of the Hebrew Israelites or that they didn't respect professional women. And so, in part, her rejection of her religious community entailed a rejection of veganism. But when veganism is on its own, it seems to do much better. It was also the case that, I mean, the three people we talked to who brought up as ethical vegans all ended up as vegan. Well, Rosemary, when she was brought up sort of as with an environmental ethos. Her parents didn't have being vegan as a core part of that. And it's true that there are certain things that you can eat that aren't vegan that are quite environmentally friendly. So she has basically accepted the core values of her parents, but she didn't take on veganism. And in part, we heard from her, we didn't feature this, that her dad decided to raise her as vegan because he wanted to show that a healthy vegan baby, a healthy vegan childhood was possible. And she's definitely uh, pretty good evidence, you know, anecdotal evidence of that. In terms of all of these uh, childhoods, there are a few things in common. For example, rebellion. Even Andrew rebelled. It was interesting that everybody was curious about, uh, about what the rest of the world ate. Yeah, I think so. And Ellie Shama was sort of drawn in by the, the pizza advertisements. And something else that I found really surprising was how little isolation or alienation these people said they felt as children. I know that children can be really cruel and can really tease you a lot, but it didn't seem like they suffered that much in this regard. Particularly as adolescents, they all seem to take pride in being different. The plural of anecdote isn't data, but these anecdotes do suggest that if someone is brought up as an ethical vegan, they may be more likely to stay vegan as adults. Thanks everyone, Elishama, Mayor, Harold and Rosemary Bland, Daniel and Heidi. And to the Barnes family, Angie, Andrew, Hannah and little Thomas and Florence. Open Door is copyright BBC and the, the clip is fair use with the interviewer's comment. Rob Masters wrote the theme and the show is copyright us. Please go to theveganoption.org to say what you think of Rosemary, Elishama and Andrew's stories and the show. 
and to find out more about Open Door or the Hebrew Israelites. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, give us a good review on iTunes, and until May 25th, please, 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 vote for us. We've been nominated as the best vegan media or publication at the VegFest Awards, and it would really help people find out about us and be a big morale boost to this very different kind of vegan radio show. The link is also on our website, but it is bristol.vegfest.co.uk slash vote. Thank you so much. I'm Diana, chatting away. I'm Ian, reporting and producing. Goodbye. Bye.